Have you ever wondered why some young people choose to end their lives? Ever wondered who they are and who they left behind? Have you ever wanted to hear their stories? Would you like answers to these questions and many more? Welcome to Suicide Pages with Dr. Lulu. Her mission is to shine light on these young people, create awareness for, and educate the world on youth suicide. Opinions expressed in this podcast are those of Dr. Lulu and her guests. They are not a substitute for professional advice. If you are experiencing suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-TALK or send a text to www.crisistextline.org. Now, here's Dr. Lulu. Welcome back to Suicide Pages with Dr. Lulu, the podcast. How is everyone doing? It's October in San Antonio. I don't know when you're going to hear this, but it's being recorded in October. And believe it or not, this morning it was so nice and breezy. My son was like, Mom, it's cold. I'm like, yes. So today we have another episode of Suicide Pages. We have another guest who's going to write on our pages. His name is Mr. Andy Grant. Andy actually reached out to me on another podcast Facebook group, and I'm so excited that he did because to make it to my pages, you must have had a one-on-one personal look-in-the-eye experience with suicide, be it yourself, be it a family member, extension of you, of you, whoever, however. But Mr. Grant has had a personal experience with suicide attempts on a multiple level basis if that makes any kind of sense but i digress he's a podcaster he's a coach an author a speaker he has multiple online courses we're going to get to all that later he's a husband he's also one of my unicorns as you know the unicorns in my podcast are the males right but the unicorns unicorns are the black males so he's not a black male but he's a unicorn nonetheless because I can't get the males in my podcast. So this is so exciting. Thank you so much, Mr. Andy Grant. Thank you so much for reaching out to me and for your willingness to go on this trip with us. As you know, many people don't want to say that they have walked their talk. They don't want to talk about their walk. Let's put it that way. But you do. And so for that, I appreciate it. So I know I left a bunch of spaces in that little glass of your story. So fill in the blanks, Mr. Grant. Take it away. <laughs> well, uh, first of all, yeah, I'm very, I'm very honored to be here. And uh, I've never been called the unicorn. So that, that's exciting that we're already breaking new ground for me. I like that. Um, yeah, so I, contrary to popular myth and opinion sometimes, I believe the best way to prevent suicide is to talk about it. Yes. So I, I made, you know, I made multiple attempts on my own life and in, in my teens and 20s, um, suicidal thoughts continued to, uh, hmm, I, I'll say to haunt me. Yeah. yeah. Um, even just a few months ago, of, of just a few months ago this year, 2019, I believed I wanted to die. And well, you know what? I'm so glad you, you, you're on my podcast for many, many reasons, but especially because your own podcast is so unique, quoi? I like to say that in the sense that it discusses men and their feelings. I mean, what's better way to, to come into this world than to acknowledge first that men do feel, right? And that is the name of your podcast, Men, too, men Do Feel? 
Is that what it's called? Real Men Feel. Real Men, Real men feel. feel. And as a mother of three boys, we're taken offline. As a mother of Trace Amigos is what I call them. I am definitely in that group of people who want to talk about the fact that my boys feel, they feel pain, they feel joy, they feel ecstasy, they feel sadness, love, whatever, all the wide ranges of experiences and, and emotions because they're human. They're human. Yeah. So yes. Right. So thank that, you so yep, much. That's the big secret. That's the big secret behind my show. I remind men that they're human. And yes. that, that's, that's what it comes down to each episode. Yes. Yeah. And we don't expect you to be superhuman. Yes. Society might throw that curveball, but don't dodge it. Don't catch it because right. you are human and it's okay to feel pain. It's okay to feel joy and to express it <laughs> because a lot of men that, feel it, yeah. but they don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Whether, whether we're encouraged to express our emotions when we're growing up or not, they exist they and exist. they're there and they will come out. And, and often if, if a man isn't, if a, or if a young boy hasn't been allowed to express his emotions, they'll come out in destructive ways, um, destructive self-behavior, destructive behavior towards others. And then it, as they grow and teach their children, teach their young boys not to feel, um, it just continues on and on. Yes. So I like the fact that you said destructive self-behavior and destructive behavior towards others. Because it's not just me, my I, it's also we, you know? Yeah. And that oh, yeah. is what would make yeah. a man wake up in the morning, pick up a gun and drive eight hours to go cause harm to people that he doesn't know because of, you know, where does that come from? Deep seated, not being allowed to expressness, right? Maybe, I don't know, but indeed yeah. we need to curb it already. So thank you for your podcast. I am excited. I'm going to listen to it. Hope I get invited to it, but I definitely want to listen to it and make my boys also listen to it because it's important. It's important. I have three brothers, a father, and three sons. I'm surrounded by men, so we need to get them in the know. That's awesome. Yep. Yeah. I mean, there's a there's a lot to unpack, and yeah, women too, but but males especially have been taught um, either consciously or unconsciously from their family, from teachers, from society, from the media of how to be and the, the old myth of the stoic man. And I can just, I can get by by myself and I can, you know, to ask for help is a sign of weakness. That that's, that's all just, it's just bullshit. It, it doesn't work. Right. I love, a man who, I love a man who says the word bullshit. That's my favorite, favorite word of all time. It's bullshit and not BS bullshit because like you said, they are human. They are human. You know, when I was growing up, like probably like you, I don't know how old you are, but I'm very proud to say I'm 50. I read the book, the story about the Spartan boy. And I do not birth a Spartan boy. I don't want any Spartans around me. I want a real man who feels feelings. And you know what? And I don't know if you're a Christian or not, but I like to throw in the curveball that Jesus dared to be a real man. He cried when he had to cry. He got upset when he had to get upset. He took a timeout when he needed a timeout and went on a boat to a quiet place to sleep. We need to remember for those people who think that, oh, I want to be like Jesus. Jesus was 100% man and 100% God. So for just in case you don't know this, he allowed himself to, to cry and get upset and get angry and, and even had an attitude to his mom because he was a teenager, a real young adult. I love, love the story of Jesus in that aspect. The fact that he was yep. also really a man and he was allowed to feel pain and cry. So why not us? You know, why not us? I love it. Yeah. But yeah. we digress. Yeah. <laughs> this I think we'll do that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I know. 
So look at that. I feel like I'm already on your podcast. So needless to say, hint, hint. I'm going to make my entrance, okay? Um, in the meantime, so where do you want to start? Where do you want to start talking about you? You want to start at teen years? Was it before that? Where, you know, you just pick. So it, yeah. So my, my, so even the, the cards were kind of stacked against me f for, from a young age to, to have emotional challenges and difficulties. Um, my great grandmother killed herself before I was even born. And when I was five years old, my parents got divorced. My parents got married when they were in college. It was a pregnancy, so they got married. And they got divorced when I was about five years old. And I have no memory of them ever together. Like, it, it just didn't exist. But at the same time they were getting divorced, I had a neighbor start molesting me. And so I just immediately thought, the world's not a safe place. I can't trust anybody. And I also thought that if I told my mom that something had happened to me, that I would be the next man kicked out of the house. So I just had to, to keep it all in. Um, and my mom, even looking back, would, she, she, can remember that I was this really outgoing kid and then suddenly I wasn't and she thought it was the divorce, but this other stuff was also happening. I'm so glad you mentioned that because you know yesterday I was watching one of Oprah's Super Soul Sundays and she mentioned the fact that when she told her father as an adult that she had been molested at the age of nine, her father asked her, what did you do? Like, wait, I was nine years old. I was being molested by a man who was 42. What do you mean, what did I do? But you see how warped and how messed up our minds are, that even when you're being molested and you're a child. As a pediatrician, I know one thing for sure. Kids would not make that stuff up. It's just not what kids do. And so it's impossible for a child. I mean, yeah, there's craziness out there, but I have never met the child yet who made up the fact that they were being molested. I haven't met them. I'm sure they exist, but I have not met them. And so as far as my world and my experiences go, they don't exist. Kids just don't make them. It's just too much for them to explore and discover, to be making up a stuff about being molested. You know, if they even tell you, which they usually don't. You know, there's a glad you brought that up because there, there was so much, you know, media coverage and news and, oh, they're making up stories reason you can't trust these false memories that sort of stuff so when i was 30 i had myself hypnotized to see if this really happened or if i made it up and i went back to age five and it, yeah it was gross like everything was much uh, yeah it was it i felt disgusting like but it was a clear i saw the room i, I was just like oh and let me out of here this is yeah um, i like this man but yes yeah, but, but because of that i had to prove it <laughs> i love this man i love you because i'm seeing so many things we have in common i have been hypnotized myself I allowed myself to be hypnotized by a friend who is also a doctor because I was going through some changes with my mother and I was just like, no, this is not right. And I let him put me under. And ever since that day, every time I, I start going to that place that I don't like, I go back to the, because to I love the beach. And he took me to the beach with white sands and the ocean. And I was just like, oh my God, you know? So every time I, I find myself going, I just, find my way back to the beach and just stay there, you know, and just take it all in. And then I can face whatever it is better. So this is good that you also have been hypnotized. How was that experience? Yeah, it, it was, it was really upsetting. Um, it took oh. me a long, even when they brought me back that like the, re yeah, I felt gross. I felt creeped out. I had to like stay there for an extra hour. She just kept talking to me, talking to me, making me like, you know, look at this plant, look at this painting, trying to really get me present and now, because uh, it, yeah, it really lingered. I was surprised. Um, wow. So for those of you who are still sitting on the fence, 
Hypnosis does work. Take it from Dr. Lulu and Mr. Andy Grant. I love this. So, wow. You know, as you were speaking and kind of listing that, I don't think we're done yet. You mentioned family history of suicide. You mentioned divorce. You mentioned sexual assault. Three of the top reasons why, well, because I speak about children and young adults, but why people suicide. You know, you've already mentioned three. But the fourth one was you have a prior history, which is the numero uno. Number one reason why people do end up completing a suicide attempt is a prior attempt. And you've had, you had all the odds stacked. You've got 150% for you because it's 30% per, per attempt, per subsequent attempt. You've had five, so there's a 150% chance of you actually completing a suicide attempt. Did you know that, sir? Uh, unfortunately, yeah. And, and I... I tell you, because I decided to go public and share my story, I've been to some trainings and I would hear stats like that and I'd feel, I'd feel screwed. I'd feel more doomed. And I'd, you know, I remember sitting in conferences, uh, looking around and, and eyeing the guns on, on cops' um, belts that were in there taking the training too. I'm like, well, if, if all these stats just show how screwed I am, like why, why am I even bothering? So uh, I'm not a fan of those stats. And, yeah, and you know, I know. I just, as, just, as, just because the math is there doesn't mean it's true for, for everyone. For right? each person. And because I have been suicidal myself. I haven't had a suicide attempt, but I have been suicidal. One of the reasons why I went public, as you would say, as a doctor in America with my story was because of Anthony Bourdain. And of course, two weeks later, three weeks later, Kate Spade, who I have one pair of her shoes and one bag. That's all I can afford. But in other words, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm still a fan even in death of Kate Spade glasses. I have a pair of her glasses. So the point I'm trying to make is I have also been part of the statistics. And I don't know if you know this or not, but female physicians, we, our rates are increasing with suicide attempts and completion. We tend to complete it more than male physicians. We don't attempt as much female physicians, but we complete more. Okay. And I'm a female physician. And wait, I'm also a veteran. And wait, I'm a black female physician, you know, an immigrant. So I have everything stacked right outside my door. I just have to open the door and everything just, you know what I mean? Like, so I I have to be very (laughs) intentional. And I'm doing this work mainly because of my patient who killed himself in in, in the year 2008, but also because of a seven year old who attempted last year, also a patient of mine. So I figured, you know what? If not me, then who? And I'm coming from a doctor's perspective that we do hurt when these things happen to us. We don't forget. But how do you change it to make a difference? Start talking about it. So I completely uh-huh. agree with you that, you know, we should yeah. talk about it. That's the only way. And when I was a teenager, the only place people talked about suicide wasn't when I was in mental hospitals. Like it wasn't talked about outside at, at all. So it made me think that, oh, having this thought, this really means I'm crazy. Um, and, and then in the hospital, I'd meet other kids and all we would do was come up with new, oh, I tried this way. Oh, I tried, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, let's, we would just keep making plots and plans. So once we got out, um, we would just go get together and do try it some other way. But oh, wow. so, so it took me, I, I'm not going to, I don't intentionally, I do not get into the details and how oh, no, I no, 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 no. I completely right? agree with you. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's, and actually, believe it or not, generally, I think I've only had maybe one or two guests of my almost 40 who have actually, and it came out just while they were telling their story and, and, and I didn't make a fuss about it because for me, I still want people to hear about it. Just like you said, one of the reasons why, at least one of the things that CDC puts out there is you do have to have a controlled narrative of suicide with your children 
controlled narrative so that when they are faced with those things that will push them down that route, they already heard you talk to them as a parent, as a teacher, that this is not the way to handle X, Y, Z, versus don't talk about it at all. Oh my goodness, don't mention it at all, which is not true. And then the child gets the information on the outside. It's like, oh really? Well, let me try it. Because they haven't had from their parents the number one primary caregiver or the number one teacher that, you know, whatever, whatever about it. So I'm, I'm just excited that I have this opportunity, this platform and people like you who are willing to share their, their you know, what I say, I usually that they're talking their walk, you know, and that's, that's all there is to it. Yes, I, I, as early as like third and fourth grade, age eight and nine, I, I, I was suicidal. I, I knew I didn't. Um, my dad would often say that high school was the best years of your life. And I thought, well, maybe I'll get through that. I'll, I'll go to high school and I'll die. So I didn't think I'd live past 18. Um, but then, you know, I was, uh, I was heavy. I was smart. All things that made me a target of bullies in elementary school. So I was like, well, I'm not, I'm not liking this part of school. So why, why am I going to bother? I don't think I'm going to make it to high school. So I, my first attempt was around 12 or 13. Um, then more at 15, 16, 17, 18. And, you know, I was, I, I was a good learner in school, but I was a slow learner when it came to this because it, 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 it did. It took me multiple, quote unquote, failed attempts for me to realize that, all right, maybe this isn't the way I'm supposed to go. Maybe I am supposed to be here because I keep, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm bad at this too. Like sometimes, you know, I've met people that make an attempt to end their life and really the, the, the light turns on and they realize this isn't supposed to happen and their whole life turns around. Um, that, was, that was not my that was not you. experience at all. No. That was not you. Um, I, mean, I remember. Uh, I like the fact that you mentioned multiple failed attempts because I, I, I say that because Actually, I, was, I had to give a talk recently to the Moms Demand Action Against Propaganda Laws. And I had to refresh my memory of the words, the phrases that we should not use. And one of them is failed attempts. So it's just an attempt as opposed to failed attempts because of the word failure, because of the way we as a world now view that word failure. You know, it's like two negatives. You know what I mean? It's kind of hard to explain, but I think you probably get it. Like, it's a failure already and you don't want to glorify failure, but it's also an attempt at suicide. So it's like, just say attempt, you know what I mean? Like, and just leave it and just be gone. And I'm so happy that you say to yourself and to us that are listening to you that maybe this is not the way to go. I love that. Yeah. And it took, it doesn't matter how many it took, you got to the point finally, as at a few months ago, like you said, a few months yeah. ago, but yeah, you came up a, with the realization that maybe this is not, maybe this is just not it for me. Yeah, because it's, it's, it's this combination of hopelessness and helplessness that, that leads me to attempt. And finally, having none of them uh, work forced me to have the, just the space of consideration that maybe there's a better way to live my life. Maybe I am supposed to be here. And that's part of what had me you know, go public. And, and I thought, well, if, if somehow my pain being shared with others, others helps them avoid some of that pain and maybe they don't don't have to try multiple attempts to end their life they can just you know skip them all together right? I love um, it. so so that's why I, I i i talk and and i've written books and i share as much about my story that i possibly can um so that other people can get to the good part of life you know quicker and easier because like i used to think 
life sucked, then you die. And then I just did. That was like my worldview. But over time, I really discovered like how beautiful life is, how, how amazing being alive is, how powerful beings we are, how much there is to be grateful for. And it's all stuff I poo-pooed and thought was nonsense and don't give me your positive attitude. Don't you know the world stinks? Um, but when I did it, again, when I used my experience, all that stuff, all that stuff works, right? I, I, affirmations and gratitude journaling and all these things that I resisted for a long, long time, when I finally used them, I felt better. And that's what I decided mattered. Um, there's an old saying of you can be right or you can be happy. And I, as a miserable suicidal person, I wanted to be right. I wanted to be right that the world stunk. I wanted to be right that I was better off dead. But when I was willing to let that go to be happy, that's when everything shifted. I love that. I love that. It doesn't get any better than that. You put it right the way it should be put. And coming from you, a, a man who has walked their talk. I mean, it doesn't get any better. I could hear from your voice, the passion, the truth, the authenticity in your words. I, I could just tell just, and that's one of the things I've learned, you know, when I went about my business trying to start this podcast, I didn't think in one second how much you would touch me. And I, you know, I just thought, oh, I'm just going to do it. I didn't really have a, a goal, like not a goal, but I didn't even have a destination, but I knew my goal was to get people to start talking. But don't you know, as I've gone on the journey, I just, I've been just mesmerized. Like, just, I can hear the pain is in there. And then of course I can hear the victory is in there. I can hear the still, I don't even know, should I, should I not? It's still in there. So it's amazing, but that's life. You mentioned the fact that you did affirmations, you did gratitude journals. That is so true. A lot of people look down on those things. They look down on those things. Yesterday my wife was watching something on TV, I don't know, one of the Christian channels that she was watching. And the gentleman talked about how he, when he had cancer, he always used to poo-poo journals. And then he, he started writing journals and it became one of his books. And then, and then it was like, God, today I had whatever. And he, anyway, bottom line is, he, was, he used to think it was for women. Journals are for women. And then he realized, wait, this is actually therapeutic for me. Yeah. So I love that, yeah. I love that. Do you, just to go back a little bit, um, you said family history of suicide, which of course is a major risk factor. You talked about divorce also, you talked about sexual assault, and then prior history of multiple attempts, and I guess maybe bullying, so maybe five. Yep, yeah, believe Is there sure. more to your risk factors? But I'm, I'm just trying to list your risk factors. Well, so in, yeah, in addition, so mental health challenges were in my mother and father's, both, both family lines. My, my father's family, my dad was an alcoholic. Um, there was a long history of that. And I, you know, I would, uh, I would drink to get drunk at age 15 and 16 so that I could cry. So that you could what? Like I had to cry. I couldn't, at that age, I, you know, talked to, I had withdrawn and yes. pulled my emotions in so much. I could only drink, I could only cry when I was drunk and I would intentionally drink alone so that, uh, I could let my guard down enough that I could let some of the pain inside out. I love it. Oh my goodness. This is amazing. So you know what? You have, I don't know, I know you haven't listened to any of the podcasts, which you are going to do after today, right, Mr. Grant? Yes, You have listed eight of, a couple of weeks ago, I had an episode called Your Child and Suicide, 13 Reasons Why. Hmm. You have listed eight of them. 
Do you know that? You have listed know. eight of them. The only ones you haven't listed is like incarceration and you know what I mean, LGBT. But you have listed eight of my 13. And we haven't even really maybe scratched the surface because you mentioned mental illness in the family, substance abuse in yourself and the family, bullying, which is one of the, my major signature talks is about bullying and your child. You know, bullying is so bad. So far since school started, we've had four suicides that have been tagged. Because people just tag me on, on social media. Four that have been tagged. And I know those four are only the four that have been tagged. On. There must be more, you know. Bullying is behind it. Did you know that the National Crisis Text Line have on their records eight out of 10 students or children who call, youth who call them, mention school? Okay. Eight out of 10. That's how bad bullying is. And that's how bad school is. School is like toxic now. It's such a bad place to be. And you're not going to school right now. But you experienced that. Sure. And it so felt you, toxic so, then. Sure. Exactly. I was just going to say, so it's like it hasn't changed. Maybe it's even worse because guess what we have now? This guy. Yeah. Social yeah. Social media, media does make it, it, you know, it can make it better, but it makes it worse for triple, most. Triple worse. And even as an adult, me, myself, and I, as an adult, I've seen myself every now and again get that not enough syndrome. You know, like, oh, maybe how come my post, how come this post didn't get this many likes? And I have to redirect myself and I'm 50 and I'm redirecting myself. Imagine a 14 year old who is so impressionable, whose brain is still growing. Imagine how they feel. Yeah. It's wow. tough. But I want to reiterate with all that said, with, with these eight, um, you know, risk factors against me, I'm still here. I love it. And, I love and, it. and we're going to get everyone there. can be, Right. Yes. If you have, you yes. can have thirteen to thirteen, and still find a reason to get up each day and be glad for that. Yes, and that's what we're going to get there. Actually, that's my next, the next segment before we talk about your books is, what did you, what do you do on a daily basis to keep you grounded, to keep you staying here? Yeah. So, it was again finally. People had told different therapists and doctors told me to journal for for at least seven years before I attempted it. I attempted it before I did it. <laughs> um, and again, I like you were talking about this for women. I thought it was, you know, I thought, oh, it's a my little pony princess diary. This is for little girls. This is ridiculous. Right. So, but I know, no, as a, so a, a, as a man, I can journal as a man, but no, don't call it a diary. That was my line. Right. <laughs> but uh, so gratitude, 10 things I'm grateful for. And when I started, I couldn't do that. It was just my goal was like, write down one thing I'm grateful for when I woke up and again before I go to bed. Um, I've now been doing a gratitude journal every day since uh, 2007. Like I've, I have a file cabinet full of, of journals and wow. I knew I was getting better. I knew I was healing when I, I, I oh my God, I, I wrote down 15 things today. Wow. I, like I went beyond my, the rules of 10. No, oh, no. And you know, I love it. Um, but meditation was huge for me. Um, Instead of for years, I said, I can't meditate. I can't meditate until I tried. And like, oh, meditation can be as simple as three deep breaths. It, it doesn't mean sitting in the corner with your legs crossed saying, ohm, for an hour, right? Meditation is just whatever it takes just to get to yourself. Yeah. So that was big. So yeah, so I, I've created all these rituals that I do on a daily basis that, that help me enjoy myself. Uh, you know, I believe 
suicide, all suicides are rooted in self-hatred and, and a complete lack. And, you know, self-love is like incomprehensible to, to me. I, I thought happy people were like Ned Flanders. Like they're on the Simpsons, they're just happy and giddy and they're just flat way at the top and like, wee all the time. And I'm like, that's just crazy. You know, I thought happy which people is, were nuts. Yeah, I was going to say, which could be mania for, you, yeah. for all we know, right? Right, <laughs> right. Because nobody yeah. should be happy all the time. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, but so that's key. So, uh, you know, life is a roller coaster. Our emotions are meant to be up and down. So, but now my, my ups are better than I ever would have imagined. And my downs are better than my best days used to be. Amen. So oh my God. Key. I love that quote. Oh my God. Can you say that again? I just want to capture it. Oh my God. I have no Why? idea what I said. I'll just re- <laughs> no, you're good. I'll just rewind. But no, so it's like emotionally, we want what we see in the stock market, like higher highs and even our lows are higher than our, ba- our past lows. Wow, wow. Because some people think like, oh, a roller coaster is bad. You know what? Ups and downs. Like, no, that, that's the myth. Because again, we're human. We have this whole range of emotions. And it's not like we were created and oh, some emotions. Oh, you have, yeah, you have anger. You have sadness by mistake. That, that was a mistake. God made a mistake. And you're not supposed to have that emotion. Like, no, we have them all. They're meant to be felt and experienced and expressed. I love and it. And when we do all three of those, we're actually healthy. I love it. I love it. And you know, you did say hopelessness and helplessness, hopelessness and helplessness. And I normally add despair. And if you are in the middle of those three guys, no wonder it's a triangle, right? No mm-hmm. wonder you have self-hatred, like you said, self-loathing, yeah. complete lack of any kind of faith in yourself. I was there. I know. And I live in San Antonio and I used to drive up and down we have a, a street called 410 here and just scoping and just in my head, I'm just like, I just need to get, just need to find enough room so I could just, you know, because I hated myself. I just felt like I had failed beyond anything. And you don't have children, but I do. And your people would think, oh, it's selfish. And I'm quick to tell them, look, it has nothing to do with selfishness. If love was enough, Hollywood would be intact by now. If money was enough, no one will ever die by suicide. Or is it the other way around? Yeah. But nobody should be thinking that someone who wants to kill themselves is selfish. Most times they're thinking, I'm probably better off. You know, you're rather better off without me in the equation. Was that, was that how you felt? Yeah, that, that's part of the lie that I would tell myself. Yes. Like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm miserable. People know it. I'm pulling everyone else down. If I get rid of myself, everybody else will bounce back quicker with me gone. And, you know, I tried to push my wife away. I tried to make divorces happen. I cut off friends um, so that I'd have more fuel to hate myself and do something about it. Oh, my God. I I know I keep saying I love it, but hopefully the listeners know what I mean by I love it. Just I love the authenticity and the truth coming out of you, just pouring out. You know, a lot of my guests have come back twice. Andy, I'm tagging you as coming back twice because you have so much to say. And I want people to hear you. Somebody is listening to us right now and saying, yes, I hate myself, but he's here. He's still here. I can find 10 things to write on my journal. Okay, I can find one thing to write. So I'll tell you, it, it, all, all momentum, all your love and joy for life, all starts with, with finding one thing. Yes. Right? As opposed to just, because it, it, you know, it's easy to give up, but having suicidal thoughts feels so bad. It feels so draining. 
because it's not what we're meant to do. So if, if you find yourself, if you've had suicidal periods, if you're doing it right now, like it feels gross because you're, you're more than that. Like it's, it's, your, it's every aspect of your being saying, no, this isn't what we want to focus on. And, you know, th thought pivoting was one of the great, greatest tools I, I discovered. And when I finally took an act, I used to, I remember sitting in my bedroom, looking at a tree and just kept picturing myself hanging from that tree. Oh Almost, that's all I could think of. And then my dog would come in the room like, oh, and then go, oh, and I pat my, and I'd feel better. Like, I'm like, wait a minute. I just, hey. So I changed what I focus on and I, I felt different immediately. And that's what really- I was really, going to ask you to explain that because I, I know what it is as a doctor, but explain the phrase thought pivoting. Yep. So thought pivoting is consciously with, with effort because it's not, you're not used to, I'm going to force myself to focus on something else. Now it could be, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to put it on, on an, uh, my favorite funny TV show, or I'm going to go play with my dog, or I'm going to, I'm going to play with my child, but take yourself away from the, the, the misery focused self-hatred thought onto something else. And you might come right back. It might last for three seconds, but it worked. And why it takes effort is because you're used to going the other way. You're, we're used to the, we, literally, we, I mean, you know, as a doctor, we get stuck in ruts. There are ruts in our brain. It's the, it's the most common thought pattern in your brain is going to be the one that you fall into. So if you've been depressed or anxious or suicidal for a long time, it's going to be easy to fall into that. So you have to consciously say, oh, no, I'm getting out of this rut. I'm going to go get myself an ice cream today, right? Just something. I'm going to go read a comic book, like whatever it is to bring a little bit of joy into that rut. And with practice, you can only become closer to perfection. This is exactly why I do this. I love the way you put it. Effortful. And I put the word redirection instantly as soon as you, but it, it takes self-awareness. First know, first be still enough to know that this is that thought that we don't want. And then quickly redirect it, right? Yeah. I love it. Yeah. But it takes practice. Even your, yeah. even your smartphone, if you, if you want to type duck, D-U-C-K, you have to correct it three times. No, I meant to write duck. And eventually your smartphone will, think, your, your smartphone will say, okay, every time you write chickens, you say and ducks, you know, whatever. And that's how... You can, you can program a small phone that is nothing. What more the human brain that is capable of so much when it comes to redirection. And I yeah. love, love the way you put it. Yeah, you get, love our, it. Our, li our lives, our experience, are a reflection of our programming. We've, yes, got, right. we've got bad code, but you can change it. You can, you can take the bugs out, right? Yes, you can debug your, your line of thinking. You can debug your thought processes. It takes effort, but everything that's worth doing it's worth the effort. You know, people say it's worth doing well. No, it's worth the effort of doing it. If it's worth doing, then it's worth the effort. So if you put that, well, that was a good one. But if you put that effort in, you're going to end up reaping. But you got to put the effort. Just do it, right? Yeah. That's what Nike said. Just yep. do it. Wow. Yep. And, and you, you touched on selfishness. And yeah, I, I've never thought suicide was a selfish act. And, you know, most, most hurting people are doing it to in their view, protect other people and make the world better by having this stain of me gone. Um, yes. But I, I think if, if, people, if people were more selfish, we'd be better off. Because if I was really selfish, I'd be focused on my joy, my happiness, my love of life, right? I, I think good people who are selfish spread goodness. 
right? You, you enjoy doing this podcast. You enjoy being of service. So if you were selfish, you would be of even more service, right? You would want more of that joy in your life, the way you help people. I like it. I like it. I, I just love, love this conversation. It's been so good. So good. There's no doubt in my mind that you're going to come back because you, I'm, I'm going to need you and one of my other guests called Eric Rishi, also a unicorn. I'm going to need the two of you to come back. And I think I forget his name, Wilson, something Wilson, Brandon Wilson. I think I'm going to have a foursome because the three of you get it. And it just happens to be like, you're all men and I have nothing against that, but I love your philosophies. I love, it can only come from a place of deep pain. Mr. Wilson or Reverend Wilson is, he hasn't been through the suicidal path, I don't think, but he's been through deep, deep despair. And I, and I told him, I said, dude, maybe you were even suicidal, but you know, being the strong black man, you don't really want to go that far, but it's okay. At least you're going somewhere where people don't even want to go to at all. But I, I'm thinking I'm going to have a, I'm going to have to get the four, the three of you together. I mean, I have something in my head. I love it. I love it already. So winding down. <laughs> so tell us, oh my God, you're off to so much good. Tell us about your podcast. Tell us about your coaching business, your authoristic business and your speaker. I mean, what are all these good things that you're doing? What are they? Obviously they are born from, this place that we just visited kind of right. touched the surface. And I know we have more. We didn't touch it. We didn't touch on your young adulthood. We just touched about your, we just talked about your teen, teen, yeah. teen days. We have plenty of time. Do you want to touch your young adults or is it kind of basically the same or because it's, I want to say, I want to say as a child, the bullying might have been what was fueling majority of that. It didn't sure. help that your parents were suicide, were divorced. It didn't help. But the bullying probably fueled a lot of that as a child. And of course, now it's ingrained in your brain that you're no good. Right. And then you grow up with that, right? And now, you know, as a young adult, what are, a few months ago, for instance, what triggered that? It's even, hmm. So whenever, I, whenever I, I speak, I always tell people if they've ever seriously contemplated suicide, that thought will always be there, lurking. It, it doesn't go away forever. It waits till you're weak, till you're distracted, and it shows up again. Yet, when that happens to me, I somehow think, wait, I talk about this, I write, I, this can't happen to me. So I judge myself harshly. Mm. I stop doing all the things that work mm. and I withdraw. And yeah, so time and time again, I prove that everything I share works mm. because when I stop it, I feel worse. But there are times, um, this, like this summer for me, it was, uh, I was really aware of this, this battle. It really felt like good and evil were fighting in me and which way was I going to go? And a part of me was like mesmerized, like witnessing it. And I almost dared, like I dared the darkness. Like, oh, Fine. If this, let's do it. Let's come on. Let, let's just take me tonight. I, I, I know I had these weird like fights and arguments with God. And then I'd say, well, if, if it's not God, then whatever. You know, I, like I, I dared evil to grow in me. Um, oh my God. Um, so that I could once again discover that no, I'm I'm meant to be here. There's there's yeah. more light than darkness. There's more, you know. It's so, yeah, it's it's hard for me to put into words, but I think you get, you're getting it. But yeah, I, I was. Uh, I, I have a stop nodding my head. <laughs> yeah. I know nobody can see me, but <laughs> the whole entire interview. Wow, yeah. wow, that's amazing, amazing. But, uh, like, you're able to reach deep down, and even even as far as you're reaching, you're still not really reaching because you can't vocalize it. 
You can't put it in words. Yeah. I remember when I was, the, the day, the one day I came home and I told my wife, I said, I think I'm going to, I don't think I told her more that, I just told her because I had decided. She was like, uh, not on my watch. She called off work. She took the week off and, and she was like, we're going to make this go away the way that we can. So got me help, got doctor, medication, all of that. So did you end up getting therapy, medication? Did you see a doctor? Oh, sure. I mean, I've been hospital. Uh, my senior year in high school, um, I was incarcerated. Incarcerated, no. I was committed against my will. Uh, I spent over a month in a mental hospital. Um, I've been on tried medication from, I think, as early as age 12 or 13. I, uh, I really had bad experiences. Um, my, uh, the first psychiatrist I saw diagnosed me, just gave me the same diagnosis that my dad had after talking to me for, for less than five minutes. So that, <laughs> yeah. um, so that really just gave me a bad taste of, really? of the medical view. Mm-hmm. Um, I had really horrible side effects to lithium that had, I had full body tremors. And I remember being in high school and like really like walking into my locker door. And just thinking, well, if this is normal, like I'm, I'm more suicidal now. If this is what like all this is people, this is what normal life feels like. I, I, I have no interest in this. So, um, but then at times, even as an adult, I feel that, like, well, at least I can go see my doctor and try some antidepressants. Like at least, at least I can do that. Um, so it, it was rare that I, I felt a benefit, but it was at least something positive I could do. So, uh. Wow. It was much more meditation. It's uh, all, all the tools I use as a coach are things I learned to, to literally save my life. Amen. So it, I, it's a uh, spiritual guidance. And, yes. you know, I, I grew up without any sort of religion, which I thought made me an atheist. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, there is something more. I'm, I'm not, none of us are just this random collection of chemicals misfiring. Exactly. You know, we're not just a meat and, suit. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be a religion because when I turned 50, I actually decided that I was born, I'm a cradle Catholic. But when I turned 50, I decided, you know what, I'm going to rest on the Catholicism and just be spiritual and just allow myself to be and have reverence, of course, for, for God still. So I'm not an atheist and I don't know what I am and I don't care to be classified. I'm good to people. You know what I mean? I think good thoughts. I'm doing a lot more than some people who are in front of the pulpit every day, but I digress. You know what I mean? I just said that I'm just going to, I'm just going to be and still have reverence, but not necessarily defined by the four walls of a church. So I get it. I get where you are and and I like it. And for me, what you're doing right now, many pastors and preachers don't even want to look it in the eye. Like I have a hard time getting into the churches here in San Antonio to talk about child suicide, but it is happening in the church members' kids, but they don't want to looking in the eye. So, and that's, those limitations is what I didn't want anymore. And I just didn't want to deal with that. And every morning I wake up and I say my thank you to God and I write on my journal. And for me, I'm very happy. And during the day I smell maybe roses. I feel a gentle breeze. I hear a bird chip and I say, thank you for that. Which to me is, is connecting with him, her, it, the power. And I'm still okay. Yeah. I'm not pushing it down anybody's neck because it's a journey that you have to go on your own. But I'm very content is the word with my decision. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, the, 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 the earth is my church. Exactly. I don't need Everyone. to go to a special place. Yeah. It's everywhere. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And so it's great. So spiritual guidance was good and it's not necessarily limited to one 
one kind. And Eric, the guy I want you all to meet, is a yogi extraordinaire. Like he actually teaches yoga and he's all up in all this Buddhist practices, but he's not a Buddhist, but he just practices the kindness. Because I went to Bali earlier this year and I was just mesmerized by the, the Buddhist principles. I'm like, oh my God, that's amazing, you know? Who knew? But you have to leave your, your life and your mind open to learn stuff like that. Yeah. So I'm thankful. So obviously, you, we talked about before that you're a coach, you're an author, and your books are about your journey or about other things. What are your yep, books? So I've, I've, I've never done the autobiography per se, but they're all, all of my books are tools that help me. Um, my most personal book is called Still Here, How to Succeed in Life After Failing at Suicide. I love it. Oh, yeah. my God. So it, it's everything I wish I knew when I was 16 and 17. It's, it's, it, it, it shares all the techniques and the rituals and the things that, that got me to realize that life is freaking wonderful. So it's called How to Succeed in Life After? Still here. Still here. All you need is the still here part. But yeah, How to Succeed in Life After Failing at Suicide. Um, and I have, a, I have a number of books on affirmations. So it's kind of affirmations for people that think affirmations are nonsense. Yeah. But it's the, uh, you know, the power of positive thinking. It's the... Um, I have a book on holotropic breathwork, which was kind of my first mystical experience I ever had. Oh, it, it's, so it's rapid, deep breathing. You do in a group and you, you over-oxygenate your blood. That's the physical process. And you just go. You what is it called? Holotropic breathwork. Holotropic. And yeah, that's what the technique is called. The book is called Mystical Experiences Are Just a Breath Away. Wow. Um, yeah. And it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a powerful, amazing, it's, it's, it's what cracked me open. I, I realized, I realized I had survived. I, it sorry. made me realize I had survived murder attempts. It realized I, I had PTSD from my own attempts to kill myself. Yes. That is so true. That's, you know, I never looked at that. I did that yeah. murder. But you know what? And that's why in the old days they called it, they used the phrase commit suicide because they looked yeah. at it as murder. So, but mm -hmm. tell me about this, um, all these beautiful pieces of work you have out there. How many of them? Books. How many? I think I have six books. I forget. Wow. <laughs> yeah, six books. I always have like a couple being written, but yeah, six are released. Wow, congratulations. I'm only about to finish up my second one and I am having a major case of not enough syndrome and imposter and all of that because I'm like, I don't know. Is it good enough? Is it good enough? I'm yep, almost done. Finally, I'm going to put it out there, you know, perfect or no. I'm just going to put it out there, but that will be my second book. Well, congratulations. Yeah, and perfection course, is overrated. Say that again. Oh, yeah, I know, right? Perfection is overrated. Yeah. Yes. It is the number one best friend of inertia. If you want to stop what you're doing, be, try to be perfect and you won't start it ever. Yeah. So I love it. Yeah. I love it. So what about where can the um, listeners find you? I know you're on Facebook. Yeah, so theandygrant.com. Because you don't want a regular Andy Grant. You want the, you want the unicorn, right? <laughs> so but, who's uh, from, the regular one? Is there a regular one out there? Well, yeah. So I tried to get from, it's, it's, it's some coder in the UK and he wouldn't ah. give up long ago. But I've had, I've had the domain for a long time. But, mm -hmm. but theandygrant.com is kind of my hub. You find links to my books, my podcast, Real Men Feel, uh, information about coaching. Um, I, I'm a reader of the Akashic Records. I've done that for people all over the planet. Uh, just reader of what records, of sorry? The Akashic Records. What is that? Ah, so Akasha is a Sanskrit word for primary substance. Oh. So the Akashic Records, it's, it's mentioned in every religion there is, sometimes called the Book of God, the Book of Life, but it's 
it's a vibrational recording of everything your soul has done. So it's always being written. It's kind of, it's like the library of Congress for humanity. For humans. Right? Wow. Yeah. So by no, by asking about what, what, so say you keep doing the same thing over and over and you don't know why you might be something that makes something you ask the records. They go, Oh, it's because of this happened. And just bringing that to your awareness lets it dissolve. And now you're wow. free of that pattern. I need to I need to get my name on that list of people that are going to get read acoustic something. By <laughs> so that yeah, there, I have lots of videos on YouTube. I I people uh, um, I do short set. I've opened my I, there's a video of me opening my dog's akashic records to try to communicate with her when she was sick. It was really neat. But yeah, it's all at theandygrant.com. You'll find the information on the akashic records. Uh, it's been around forever. Everyone, it's it's neat as you know back in the day, you know centuries ago shaman would have to go through like weeks of fasting and meditation to access the records but even though it seems like we're living in pretty chaotic times our consciousness is rising so as a species humans are higher and higher so we everyone can access the akashic records i i just i do it with a prayer um and the, but it's it's a powerful tool i use for myself and it's a, a powerful way for others to uh, help other people tap into it and it's always just this sense of love Amen. Like some people are afraid of it. They think, oh, I don't want to find anything bad. Like, no, it's all love and support. There's not like you've done something wrong. It's that's not how it can be. Cause, and I think you know, one way to look at it also is, is, is for you by you. So yeah. it's, it's yours. Yep. Whether you want to access it or not. I love that. I love that. Wow, Andy, this has been an amazing one hour. Can you believe it's been an hour? No. Okay, maybe <laughs> a little less, but still, I have, I have enjoyed every moment of it. Do you Me have too. any? Parting words for the listeners. You know, it's a cliche. I used to hate it, but it gets better. I'm, I, I'm in my 50s. Uh, my teens were horrible. My 20s were a little bit better. My 30s were a lot better. My 40s were a lot better. And my 50s so far are rocking. Amen. I'm 50, honey. I love it. I'm, I'm like, I'm becoming, is what I said. When I turned 50, I was like, I'm becoming a fierce a 50 female physician fine fabulous whatever i didn't have like 50 words with the letter f i was like yes i'm becoming all of those things now at 50. so yeah i completely understand it has been amazing please come back please say yes get glad to no no problem let's do the group one also because i know it's going to be epic i'm going to get the three of you together it's going to be epic i just i can already see it in my mind that i'm putting it out in the universe Great. i want the energy to come back with fruit Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dr. Lulu. This is your momatrician. This is the podcast called Suicide Pages. It has been an awesome, awesome morning, afternoon, evening. I don't know when you're listening to this with Mr. Andy Grant. He came here. He laid it all on his page. Thank you so much, sir. It's been amazing. Y'all, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading, for subscribing, for leaving a review and a comment. I love them. I feed off of them. At last count was like over 44 reviews and comments. I mean, I, I, I don't know. It's great. You know, you, you set up to do something and then the thing does you. That's what I'm saying, you know? So thank you so much, Mr. Grant, for coming. We look forward to seeing you again. All the very best with everything that you're doing to make a difference in this thing called life. This is Dr. Lulu. This is your momatrician signing out. <laughs>